All right, and we are in the thick of our Brat Pack movie festathon. Brat Pack November. Brat Pack November. Some people grow mustaches. We watch Brat Pack movies. Right. And let's be honest, this is about Andrew McCarthy because he's the common denominator in all of these films. And you know what? I'm fine with it. I'm happy to cel celebrate him for a month. I am too. I never, I feel like I didn't have the appreciation of Andrew McCarthy that I now have. Yeah, he's great. And now I just sit there wondering, why isn't Andrew McCarthy in more things now? Like, I'm just perplexed by the whole I thing. I think he gave it up. I, he's he's like a director and stuff now. He does behind the scenes. Behind the scenes. All right. Well, yeah. We are going to talk about the movie Less Than Zero with our friend Liz is coming on. Very exciting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What a, what a movie to, to really, uh, <laughs> <I> know. you know, <laughs> although I, I'm telling you, I watched that movie regularly when I was young. Well, let me just say this. All Liz wanted to do, and I shouldn't say that, but Liz has an interest in John Cusack movies. We were like, great, come on the podcast and talk about a movie that John Cusack is not in. No, he's not. He's not in it at all. Not even mentioned. <laughs> not even mentioned. This is that's outrageous, and I am Chrissy, and I'm Anne, and I feel like you need to do the summation of what this podcast is because I always do it, and I get it wrong. I, I don't think you get it wrong. You seem to. You seem to have. <laughs> I mean, I'm correct, but it's not a succinct sentence that really can sell it. Yeah, well, this is the podcast where we talk about things that we find outrageous, either outrageously underappreciated, outrageously forgotten, outrageously missed, or just outrageously bad, which which is a which is a lot of which is which is most of the things. Um, so we are going to start Anne with a little bit of news. Mm. You know, we, we put air quotes around our news yes. stories. All right. This story is a feel good story, but here's what I'm, I'm going to have a question for you at the end. <laughs> okay. So a six-year-old girl was in Glacier National Park, which I'll just, not that it's about me, but I was there this summer. It's a very large park. That's all yeah. I want to say. My dad and my mom are there. Like they love that place. They're they're big uh, national park buffs. Yeah. Like if you drive from one end to the other, it could take you over two hours. Like it's a very yeah. large park. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this little six-year-old girl was in Glacier National Park last year and lost her favorite teddy bear. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. She went on a hike um, with, well, actually... Just for this particular hike, her family friend took her on this hike. I don't know where her, her, she was with her parents, but for whatever reason, for this hike, she was with a family friend and they left the, they left the doll behind by accident. Of course, by the time you realize it, it's like, forget it. It's yeah, so we're not going back. We're not going to, to summit to the summit again. Yes, exactly. So then what happened was uh, a park ranger found the teddy bear. Okay. Now this is the interesting thing. The park ranger even said that usually when they, you know, find stuff that people have dropped on the trail, they just throw it out. Yeah. But for some reason, he decided to keep this bear. 
Well, I mean, things like that, you know, have sentimental value. It's one thing to find like an old granola bar or some kind of, you know, stubs, but it's like, you know, teddy bears, sure. How many might be yeah. searching for it desperately? Well, and this and this teddy bear, when he found it, was soaking wet and sitting in melting snow. Ew. Yeah. So anyway, he decided to take the teddy bear and he brought it back to his house, which he said he was hibernating for the winter because this was in October. Yeah. And then in the spring, see, this is this is the thing about fate, Anne. In the spring, <laughs> he decided to take this bear and put it on the dashboard of his park ranger truck. All right. So it's basically like, you know, driving around with the park ranger. That's weird when people have stuffed animals driving around in their cars. Be that as it may. The mom of the girl who lost the bear put a post on Facebook saying, if anyone finds this teddy bear in Glacier National Park, please return it to us. So they weren't local to the area. They were tourists coming to visit. They were tourists, but they were only from Jackson Hole, which is only a couple hours away. Oh, so they probably went there a lot. They were, it wasn't like that was it the one time and then they're going back to. Yeah. Like Connecticut or something. Yeah. The regulars at the park. Yeah. So of course, you know, people respond with well wishes and offers of replacement bears. The woman who was with the girl when she lost the bear had gone, went back to Glacier just as, you know, not on a, not to find the bear, but just to go visit again. And she went into the uh, lost and found and was asking about the uh, asking about the bear. Didn't didn't find the bear. But then they're out hiking. They spot the ranger's truck with the bear in it. And she says, wait a minute, sir. Yeah. So she took a picture of it. She sent it to the mom. They were like, oh, my gosh, that's the bear. Unfortunately, the ranger was not in the truck. He was like his day off. For some reason, his car was parked there. They left a note on the car. They found another uh, ranger who could possibly, you know, get to the, open the truck. And the bear and the girl were reunited. That's nice. There's a lot of happy accidents that happened to make this a reality. I guess, but also they're locals and they're always at the park, it sounds like. So it's not as impressive to me as if it were, a, you know, somebody yeah, visiting again- from Hawaii or something. And the ranger took the, found the bear, kept the bear, displayed it in his car. The woman who lost the bear. Questionable. All in this huge park. Again, it's a huge park. Happened to see the ranger's truck with the bear. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. You know what? I think it's, well, I think it's sweet. I'm glad that she was reunited with it. I mean, that is like, that's very sweet. Now here's my question, Ann. Yeah. If you're the ranger, maybe you've grown attached to this bear. Would you give it back to the girl? Of course. What kind of <laughs> deranged person? Well, I mean, you know what? I can't speak for him because I think the fact that he took it and then stored it in his car is weird, but I would hope that any adult human who found a stuffed animal would return it to the child that had been looking for it. I don't know. What kind of person wouldn't do that? I might think about it. You'd have a real personality <laughs> disorder if you like, I mean, can you imagine? No, I like it. Can you prove it to ours? Listen, Anne, it's never too early for a young girl to learn that life is not fair. There's that episode of the Golden Girls where that happens. Really? Mm-hmm. Where Rose has her stuffed animal. And then um, little Jenny Lewis, his guest stars on it. And she 
takes it. And then in the end, Rose does a switcheroo and grabs it from her and pushes her out the door and gives her that lesson. Don't blame her. Yeah. Well, that's different. That sounds like the girl was trying to steal the bear. Yeah, she was an asshole. Yeah. All right. That's a different story. This girl honestly just lost her thing. Yeah. But again, anyone who's trying to keep the, the owner of the stuffed animal away from the stuffed animal has got problems. <sighs> okay. All right, Anne. Well, here's another story for you. Okay. <laughs> there is a Christmas tree farm in Utah that last year, a, a bunch of men work at this Christmas tree farm. And last year, in order to drum up some business, because, you know, last year, a lot of people weren't going out, you know, business right. down, whatever. Celebrations for Christmas, per se. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, Anne, let's hold that thought. I see that Liz, our friend, is going to join us. Hi, Liz. Hi. Hi, everybody. This is so wonderful. To, I, and thank you for having me here. We're oh yeah, we have one more news story to get to before we talk about our big movie uh, review that we're doing this week. Squeeze! <laughs> How exciting! All right, I was there. just teeing this up for Anne. Okay. So there is a Christmas tree farm in Utah that last year was you know business was down. They were trying to find ways to to spur the Christmas tree sales. Right. So they decided on a whim, on a whim, because these are not the type of men, let me just say, from what I can tell from this story, that are into making TikTok videos that feature them dancing. They're not dancers. And they don't have like a marketing plan of some sort. I was hoping you were going to tell me they were like going to be shirtless or Santas or something, but then you said Utah and I knew that wasn't happening. Yes. Well, but listen, Ann, but listen. So they started, they started rehearsing. This story actually makes me laugh. And one of the, now this is before they filmed anything. One of, and no one was really into it. The guy said no one was into this. And then one of the guys did like a pole dancer move. Cause you know, they have those things that they, you know, put the Christmas trees on. There's like pylons, let's call them. Yeah. Yeah. He did like a stripper pole move. He like swung around it. And then that changed the whole tone. Then everyone wanted to do their own sort of risque dance. And this is in Utah. Yeah. On a Christmas tree farm. Okay. <laughs> Are they Mormons? Do we know? I don't know if they're Mormons. Okay. So they put out a video of each of them. You can look up the video. It's, you know, single people. They're all doing their different gyrations, let's say. And it became a viral smash. Wow. <laughs> and they wound up selling out of their Christmas trees. And now the pressure's on for this year's video. They now have to do another video. And people are already contacting them saying like they want to now travel from out of state to come to this Christmas tree farm. I mean, what kind of moves are the guys, <laughs> these guys doing at the tree? Like, I don't understand. I love, I love a stripper and I love a Christmas tree, but I'm not traveling what's to What's the name of their, what's the name of their uh, thing, handle? Uh, it's, oh, I don't know what their handle is, but it's uh, Peterson Tree Care in Elk Ridge, Utah. It sounds so innocent. It, it it's, sound. it's just funny. It's like, it's men who clearly, they're, they're calling it their Magic Mike video, but they don't, they don't <laughs> look like Tatum Channing. Oh, Channing Tatum. I, I'm watching one and it's like funny. Like the guy's like falling. I mean, he's not terrible, but the one guy full fell off. <laughs> it's cute. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> 
Okay. All right. I'm rethinking my trip to Utah now. <laughs> it's not, it's very innocent. There's nothing like bad about this video. It's just funny. Guys, I'm watching a little bit of it now and I see gyrating. No, yeah, there is gyrating. Fully closed. There's gy there, there's a, a, there was a swing and a jump and a spin. Oh, wow. There's a lot That's of pretty good moves. And upside down. Oh, and some, some ax hammering, cutting, whatnot. I think it's, I'm, I'm into it. I think there was probably a lot of ice needed after this video. I'm sure these guys were doing moves that they never moved that way in 10 years, at least. Definitely not the jumping and the swinging. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm going to venture a guess that they don't jump and swing no. on a regular basis. No. But they have to be in pretty good shape. They're lifting trees all the time and carrying trees and chopping them down. I support this and I was already a Christmas Jew. I'm even more deeply into the whole Christmas thing now that I've seen this. I will be spending some alone time later watching it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Thinking about what I'm putting on my, my Christmas list That's to right. Santa. Merry Christmas, everybody. Wow. There's yeah. your Christmas video. I say good for them, Peterson Tree Farm. Um, so we at Liz, we were saying before you got on that we had wanted you to come on to talk about a John Cusack movie. And then we forced, uh, less than zero on you, which does not have John Cusack in it. It's like one end of the spectrum to the other, <laughs> like Lloyd Dobler or, you know, yep. Coke addicts, but okay. I'm, I was, I accepted the homework and the challenge. I've watched the movie full disclosure. I did fall asleep. The first time I watched it, I oh had to my. go back. But that's just because I watched it on a stupid okay. night. Um, I, I have a lot of thoughts. Can I just ask, started. though? Neither of you watched this when it came out? I don't think I did. I maybe watched I don't have big memories of it. So I'm going to say no. I watched it a lot. Oh, that's wow. disturbing, man. I am a repeat movie watcher. But this doesn't seem like one I would want to repeat watch. Oh, I loved it. Because, well, also, I mean, when it came out, it was around the same time as all of the other movies starring like Andrew McCarthy and stuff. So to me, it was just another one. It was like, oh, Pretty in Pan tonight and then Less than Zero tomorrow. Like it was just the same people. Oh. So I just thought it was so glamorous and the clothing so great and the music. It's like the best soundtrack. I loved it. I love this movie. Well, I'll just say this movie came out in 1987, and I also wondered, why did I never watch this movie in 1987? And then I watched it, and then I was like, oh, this is why I didn't watch it. It's not in the, it, to me, in this sort of, you know, that era, they were all sort of like kind of lighthearted films. This was very dark. This is a drama. Yeah, this is dark. It's a Brett Easton Ellis Although it's not like the book, because I believe I also read the book at the same time when I was that age. But uh, yes, I have heard that it was very different. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just, this is not the pretty and pink Andrew McCarthy. <laughs> right? It kind of is though, because he inherently always plays basically a good guy. I actually was wondering like, was he well cast in this? Because I, I feel like his character should have been a little hotter. I think he's hot. Eh, he's sweet. He's more sweet. He's, he is more like a John Cusack, truly. Yes. I, I think he could have been dialed up. Yeah, well, edge. I think he, um, I'm sure he was just hot at the time and that's why they wanted to cast him. 
Yes. Well, when I was doing my research into this film, Brett Easton Ellis, I'll say two things. Apparently this has very little resemblance to the book. Yeah. And two, he thought that the only well-cast people in the film were Robert Downey Jr. and James Spader. He did not like Andrew McCarthy or Jamie Gertz, particularly Jamie Gertz, though he has since changed his mind on that. Here's the thing about Jamie Gertz. I think it's, I love Jamie Gertz, but I think it's hilarious that she's supposed to be playing this born and raised Angelino with that Chicago accent. She has such a Chicago accent. She's also clearly not a supermodel. <laughs> I mean, she's a delight, but I was, ha- I was, was having a hard time buying Yeah, her. she's, I would say of anyone miscast is probably was, was Jamie Gertz. Also, can I ask this question? Andrew McCarthy goes away to college. He's what? He's gone three months. He comes back. Everybody, a full-blown drug addict. Like, what the hell happened in three months? It seemed like a lot. I would agree. I was having a, I was having a hard time buying. Yes, that. and I will say they even showed a very in the beginning. They showed a very quick clip that he was home at Thanksgiving because he caught them in bed together. So right. really, it was a month earlier. Yeah, it's like three. It's honestly like three weeks. It's like in the span of three weeks. <laughs> Everything goes literally down the toilet. Yeah. Yeah. Like full-blown drug addicts in debt up to their eyeballs. Yeah. The whole thing. And I was like, the guy went away for one semester. I don't understand. Jamie Gertz at one point says that, you know, because at the end, the beginning of the movie, when they graduate from high school, Robert Downey's dad gives him money to start this, this record label. And then within that amount of time, he lost all of the money and the label fell through and i think that's what it exacerbated his could that have even happened in three months that seems i've never been in the record the the music is you're not a a a music i wish i was right well i i agree it seems like first of all they're all supposed to be like 18 so the things that are happening are insane i'm not saying those don't happen to 18 year olds i really hope they don't but it seems crazy to me that what you all have said he got money he started a business he spent all the money lost the business developed a severe (laughs) drug habit and began prostituting himself well that's because he was in debt chrissy between like labor day and christmas well like that's a busy few months that is that is busy i feel inadequate (laughs) frankly yeah (laughs) Even my failures, my failures are inadequate. I, I, I can't keep up with that level of failure. Yeah, he was getting things done. Maybe not the best things, but they were getting done. No. So yeah, so just real quick, as if you couldn't surmise, this movie, this these three friends graduate from high school. Yep. One is going off to college. Jamie Gertz is supposed to be going off to college, but decides not to because I guess she's going to pursue her modeling career. She's scared, remember? She has the whole thing. She's scared of leaving and failing. Scaredly, and they're they're all uh, children of privilege. They all come from very wealthy Los Angeles families, but also very dysfunctional, where there seems to be no parenting happening. There's they they seem to be lacking in the love department. I don't know. Robert Downey's dad was I I love their relationship. I think it's it makes me so sad. Well, maybe if we had seen more of the good times, because he I'm like, did I freak? I, as noted, I did fall asleep through something. I saw him hugging him at the, at the graduation and giving him money. And then I saw him saying he never wanted to see him again. 
Well, he was kicking him out because he's a horrible drug addict. But then, but then he's he was trying to do tough love. But then he at one point is like, if you can get yourself clean, I'll, you know, we'll figure it out. It's really sad that scene where they're on the uh, tennis courts. Yeah, I think Robert Downey, by the way, in this movie is outstanding. Like he's so great. Let's talk about one thing. Do you think that it was method acting or makeup with this crusty thing going on in the lips? Yeah, all the time. I yeah. was a little distracted. But it was also powerful. Yeah. It was very powerful. He, well, I mean, in real life, he was going through it. I mean, I don't think to that extent yet, but he um, he's so good. Like, you just really feel for him. Like, you have so much. He's, he's just such a good actor. Well, I read, he said prior to Less Than Zero, he was a drug user, but he if he was working on a film, he didn't use drugs except on the weekends. Yeah. But then, because of this movie, oh, not, I'm not saying that they were encouraging him to do drugs, but I guess it was a little bit more permissible. So I think there was a bit of method acting happening. Wow. I'm going to go with makeup for that. Cause I don't think he did that many drugs uh, and then go act like I, yeah. that seems kind of extreme to turn the other cheek on that. But yeah. um, he, he did turn in a very convincing portrait of a drug. Very powerful. Yes, I agree. Well, in Andrew McCarthy's um, memoir, he says that when he got cast in the movie, the director of the movie wanted him to go out with Robert Downey for one night. And Robert Downey at that time had like a minder on set to kind of keep him on the straight and narrow. But I guess they told him that night, like, let him do whatever he wants because he wanted Andrew, Andrew McCarthy to like rein him in over the night, which seems uh unsafe and unwise but it was the 80s dangerous but he did that he said he you know went like a little nuts and and then uh that was supposed to i guess be a bonding experience for them was it i mean i think they liked each other very much but oh yeah it said that night ended with uh downey in the middle of santa monica boulevard howling at the moon and mccarthy had to bail him out of jail who among us (laughs) (laughs) well there we have it I was, as, as a Jewish warrior, I was having a lot of worry during the entire film, to say, as, when they're driving in the convertible, like, could somebody put on a seatbelt? Is that asking too much for a seatbelt? That's the least of their worries. I, I was like, I know that the, the bigger problem is the drug addiction, but let's just start with wearing a seatbelt. Let's start with basic safety. Well, I agree. Didn't happen. Didn't happen. No, it didn't. I'll tell you what did happen, though. James Spader who I love James Spader. I love any movie where James Spader will go, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? I feel like that James Spader is my favorite Spader because every movie where he does that and he does the thing with his mouth, I'll be like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? I'm on board. So he's like my favorite part of this movie. I just love him. He's like obviously a horrible human being, but he's the fucking best. I I enjoy him in in almost all roles as well. he was quite scary. What was this big mansion that he managed to, to live in at 18 years old? Too? <laughs> All that you were making some money. Did he yeah. just also graduate from college and in that amount of time become not only a high school, high school, sorry, high school drug dealer and also throwing parties for gay men where he's prostituting someone he also went to high school with? Like he's a businessman. He's a good businessman. Yeah, he's the polar opposite of Robert Downey Jr., who failed in business. This guy succeeded beyond yeah. his wildest six-month plan. 
Yeah. He's not even, he's not even six months in. Yeah. No, he's doing great at his job. Yeah. He, he really had a great return on investment yeah. there. And he had hired like a heavy, like he had that guy hop. Yeah. I don't know if James Spader's father gave him seed money for his business. It's possible. <laughs> but he was doing a great job. Because, I, well, I mean, Robert Downey owed him 50 grand. 50 grand. It's a lot of partying. Um, side note, the heavy, do you guys, did you recognize who that was? Who was he? I do recognize him. And I was like, what do I know him from? Wait, is that, is he from Valley Girl? He sure is my friend, Tommy from Valley Girl. He was the boyfriend. Oh. Yep, that was Tommy. Yeah. As I saw his hate face in my mind, I'm like, what other movie was he a real asshole? Yep. Just a slightly older yeah. real asshole. <gasps> Very good, Liz. Yeah, he's great. I love him. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I love Valley Girl. I love Valley Girl with all my heart and soul. Yeah. Well, he he has a great entrance because he he just like walks right on in on Jamie Gertz and Andrew McCarthy having sex and is like, hey, what's going on? Yeah. What? A, well, let me say the initial house party that the movie starts with. I was that supposed to be someone's house because it looked like it was an art gallery. Yeah, it looked like a themed party with all the televisions. I, I was confused about all the parties. Were they at houses? Were they at galleries? Were they at clubs? Where were, I don't know. There was just a, it was a very Los Angeles situation going on there. And I didn't know who was who, where they were, or how it was even yes. happening. They all looked fun. <laughs> Depending. Um, yeah. So um, our friend, Andrew McCarthy goes off to college. And like we said, at when he's gone, Jamie Gertz and Robert Downey Jr., uh, start doing a lot of partying, losing a lot of money, starting to do drugs, and those two hook up, uh, which in a very quick scene at Thanksgiving, we see that Andrew McCarthy walks in on them. People never lock a door. Um, walks in on them in bed, Clearly. then hightails it out of there. Then Jamie Gertz begs him to come home for Christmas because Robert Downey Jr. is in trouble and presumably None of these people, as that, I think they actually had Christmas Day. Nobody except for Andrew McCarthy is with his family. Every those parents are just like leave the present outside and thanks. See you later. Yeah, that was a sad scene with Jamie Gertz's father who doesn't even come. Yeah, to that the was door. sad. That that was that was tough. That was a tough one. Yeah. These are broken people, and it's sad. I wanted to hug them and I wanted to put their seatbelts on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. I just liked Andrew McCarthy in a suit, a suit jacket at all times. That's the, that's the McCarthy I like to see. That's, I did think that was funny when he came home for Christmas, he gets off the plane. He's in a full suit. Yeah. This is like a college kid coming home for Christmas yeah. and comes into his empty house. And is just kind of like looking around. It looks like he's like a businessman. Well, the other thing is none of them look like they're 18. They clearly <laughs> all look like they're in their mid to late twenties. So yeah. James Spader looks like he's 35. For sure. For sure. Hot, but 35. I don't think he was 35, though. No, but he, I mean, come on. He certainly does not look 18. Yeah. I wonder how old he was, though. He was 27 at the time. Okay. Okay, that tracks, I, I, I'd say. So Pretty in Pink came uh, out the year before. Pretty Pink, James The year Spader. before. Again, a, a Spader McCarthy, you know. Yeah. Right? Adversaries, so it, once same. again. Yeah. Yeah. The stakes were a bit lower in Pretty in Pink. Yes. Just that was a little bit more realistic of a high school scenario. Yeah. 
But I'm pretty sure there was also a scene where Steph was like, who the fuck do you think you're talking to? And Pretty and Pink. Um, I th- Looking back at James Spader, though, God, if you look at him now, it's almost like he's a different person. He's much older. Yeah, but so is Robert, da- Robert Downey Jr. And he looks, he looks amazing. He and the guy shouldn't even be alive, yeah. you know? I mean, he really went through it, but he looks fantastic. I think James Spader looks good. He just does look different. I mean, he's bald. If I could be superficial for a moment, he hasn't really yeah. aged that well. I agree with you, Christy. I don't think he's aged particularly well. He looks 20 years older than Robert yeah. Downey Jr. too. Yes. And he's only, he is, I, uh, he's five years older than Robert Downey Jr. So he was, okay. Robert Downey Jr. is 22 at the time of that movie. Yeah. And James Spader was 27. So he's still really baby faced. Oh yeah, he had, he, yes. Uh, I mean, I agree, Robert Downey Jr. Looks, still looks good, but he looked very handsome then, even though he was playing a very troubled young man. Yeah, he looks, he looks better now. You think he looks better now? Robert Downey Jr.? Yeah, he's a, he's a handsome guy. He's better. handsome and charming and... Oh yeah, I think he's incredible now. <laughs> oh. Never did much for me when I was young, but now I'm like, there's full drooling happening yeah yeah no, I loved him when he was young I don't love him now but yeah, yeah I don't I don't uh, well anyway but god bless him he's the highest paid actor in America isn't so. that crazy I mean he really can't talk about a comeback he's the highest paid actor in the United States of America that's that's a fact yes at least uh, I don't know 2021 but as of a couple of years ago he definitely was yeah wow yeah I did not know that yeah everyone has a second act right no I'm waiting for mine. I'm waiting. Where's my second not act? Not everyone has a second act. I will say in this movie, poor Robert Downey Jr.'s character does not have a second act. Oh. It's just an act that goes from bad to worse. Yeah. That was a disturbing. Um, did he OD? Did he just croak? Like what? What? Yeah, I think his body couldn't handle, you know, the, ab- the, the abuse probably. But then I always wondered, because it was the 80s, it was before cell phones and all that stuff. Like, do they just drive? They're in the middle. I mean, I've done that drive, Palm Springs to LA. There's nothing going on on that strip. Are they just driving with the body in the car? Or are they calling someone? Are they going to try to find a payphone somewhere? Well, that's how I was like, what's the plan now? They've got a dead body in the car. Right. Is that the time to strap them in when he's dead? <laughs> I mean, look, once again, Andrew McCarthy, he, he did it again in Weekend at Bernie's. He's done it multiple times. So he knows this isn't his first rodeo. I was surprised that he died at that moment. I thought he might have died earlier. He might have died the night that he was throwing up all night. Like, I didn't expect because it seemed like several hours had gone by and he was just sort of sleeping it off that all of a sudden he would yeah. be dead. That's what makes it a good movie. The ending of it's just it's a dramatic ending sandwiched in between them and slumped over the slumping was very dramatic that was quality acting in that slump yeah, yeah. you can't that's not oh. easy that's not easy to play a, a dead body sl- sandwiched and yeah. dead at the same yeah. time yeah i think all three of them did really good acting in that scene who's also your best friend your best friend is dead and now you have another two hours to drive with him next to you yeah and that's without traffic what did they do when they were at the red light? <laughs> did they just go? Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. We're Nothing good. We're good. Here. Yeah. Uh, that was 
sad, but intense. And I did, and I couldn't help but go, you know, think through the reality of what one would do in that situation, what the plan was. Seems like they were in, the, they did a wide shot. It seemed like they were in the middle of nowhere. There was nothing no. around. No. There was less than zero. Now I became somewhat obsessed by the title of this movie because I just couldn't figure it out. Yeah. And apparently, perhaps people know this, it's taken from an Elvis Costello song, which is called Less Than Zero. Oh. Mm-hmm. Not even a popular Elvis Costello song. And interestingly enough, a song that for some reason, Saturday Night Live insisted that he sing on, uh, he was a musical guest and he kept saying, the song has to do with a um, British politician who's a fascist. And so- Always a good pop song premise. Always- always a good pop song great jumping off point yeah but so he so elvis costello was like i don't really want to sing this in america because people don't get it because they don't know who this oswald mosley is who the song is about um but whatever for whatever reason they insisted that he sing it he started singing it on saturday night live he decided to stop change songs and lord michaels got so mad at him that he banned him from the show Really? I did not know this trivia. Here's the trivia that when you try to find out why is this movie called Less Than Zero, which still does not tell you why it's called Less Than Zero. I don't know. I still don't know why it's called that, but I like that story. You also, like James Spader, you don't fuck with Elvis Costello. No, Elvis Costello. Well, and so I, I anyway, I looked up the lyrics and I think that the, the lyrics are turn up the TV. No one listening will suspect. Even your mother won't detect it. So your father won't know. They think I've got no respect, but everything means less than zero. I think because they all were disillusioned young people who theoretically had everything at their fingertips, but really were um, struggling. They had less than zero. They look like they had everything, but they actually had less than zero. That, that would be my assumption. Yeah, and one of the producers said um, that the movie was trying to say something gripping about the dilemma of a generation to whom nothing matters. It was about people who were destroyed by having had everything. Yeah, I mean, you know, if you, if you, I've always said that like people who grow grow up really, really wealthy, I, I almost feel bad for them because you can't ever... You don't understand what it means to to achieve anything. Like people who got, you know, a BMW when they were 16 for their birthday, you don't, you're kind of robbed of that um, opportunity to feel like you've earned something yourself when you're, you know, like then what do you, what's next? Right. I say that as someone who still does not have the BMW. uh, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, but I had, you know, a Honda. And I thought well, things can go up from here. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's the age old tale of privileged yeah. youth, really. Yeah. I mean, not to please, I'll, I, I'll take it, but I'm just saying, you know, I sometimes <laughs> think about that. It's like, if you don't ever have to struggle or work for anything and how do you really appreciate things? Yeah. I don't think, I don't think you can. It's like, they're just trying to stuff that empty hole with materialistic goods 
It's oh, I do gonna, that. It's never going to work. I just don't have the budget for the, for the real nice stuff. <laughs> I just, I just do it with candy. I'm, I'm a simple girl. I just need some Twizzlers. I don't need cocaine. Like, just I just need Twizzlers. Twizzlers. Yeah. 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 I mean, if they had liked Twizzlers instead of cocaine, they, everything. McCarthy liked those jelly it. beans in the beginning, how he just kept stuffing his, <laughs> he's eating the hand. That's, that's one of my favorite scenes in the movie where he's just eating a handful of jelly beans walking around the cavernous house. See, he was eating candy and he's the only one who wasn't an addict. And he was going to college. Just saying. Um, yeah, well, one of the other things I read about the movie was it was very edgy and a little bit too much, as you were saying before, Anne, I think, too much drug use. The original script, they had to dial way back. Yeah. Um, and then they, oh wow. yeah, apparently it was much worse. Then they dialed it back. Then they shot the film. Then they screened the film and people hated all of the characters so then they went back and added the beginning of the graduation so that they could be seen as likable characters to start with. Mm-hmm. And they inserted that scene of Jamie Gertz throwing the drugs down the um, public bathroom sink or whatever that party room was that they yeah. were in to sort yeah. of drive home the message of we're not encouraging this kind of behavior. This is supposed to be seen as something right. bad. That scene where Robert Downey Jr. almost dies before he dies the one where he's throwing up all night like that was pretty yeah. raw i you know i mean I, I don't i can't think of a lot of movies that go there fully like i felt like they really went there yeah when him. he yeah when he was coming off the bender yeah yeah he again he did a very good job then and then you know just his sort of aimless wandering trying to find places to sleep and being mm-hmm. on the beach and he was just really literally adrift like going through it it was very sad that even though people were trying to help him, he just could not help himself, really. I think a lot of it's the casting. Because like I said, I watched it as a little girl regularly because it was, it was, <laughs> it was my because mind. it was starred like these people I loved in movies that, you know, it was like, oh, there's a new movie. I remember when it came out, it was like, oh, there's a new movie out with Andrew McCarthy and Jamie Gertz. You just come off doing like Lost Boys. Um, Robert Downey, Robert Downey was just in like weird science. And I was like, oh, a movie starring all these people that I love. I saw all of those movies. I was of that age. Like I was in high school when this came out. Like this was right in my zone. So I must've watched it. I bet it was too much for me and my delicate sensibilities as a, as a, you know, like I don't want anybody to get hurt and please be careful. So I probably just yeah. blocked it out. I don't think it was really that successful commercially. I don't think it did like like really well. No, I think it became like popular as an idea of like the eighties excess kind of thing. Yeah. But um, I think in terms of Brad Pack movies, it's just not, there's nothing, there's literally nothing fun about this movie. Like, it's not like it starts out fun and then turns. It's just dark. You know what's good? The soundtrack. That's a great soundtrack. But there there was no, I mean, this is the story, but there just was no 80s lightheartedness to it. Like it was no 16 candles, right? I mean. And ironically, the song Less Than Zero was not in Less Than Zero. No. You know what I noticed too? I noticed yeah. that Rick Rubin was like the music supervisor on this movie. And I was like, oh, I mean, that's probably why the soundtrack's so great. Um, and another fun fact 
the red hot chili peppers were in the movie where they got cut i read that but i didn't see them yeah they they performed uh without shirts on and they wound up cutting it from the film like another thing to try to sort of tone it down what because they had no shirts on like i guess so because they had no shirts on i would have left that right on then that would i was gonna say that that brought a little levity to the whole situation truly we all needed a break from the vomiting the crusty lips the drug (laughs) addiction the gay porn the yeah so uh, yeah i have to say in terms of my enjoyment of the movie i would now liz we have a muldoon scale it's either a Muldoon oh, yeah. or a Muldoon or here in the middle, it's a Muldeen. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I gotta go Muldoon. I'm not going to watch this movie again. <laughs> I mean, is that what, is that what would qualify it as a Muldoon? Never. Cause I'm never. No, Muldoon, Muldoon. There are plenty no. of movies that I've seen that I like and I appreciate, but I'll never watch again. Yeah. I'm going to give it a, a, what was the middle? Muldeen, Muldeen. which is half Muldoon, half Casper Van Dien. I'm going to give it a Muldeen because I thought Robert Downey Jr.'s uh, performance was excellent. Yeah, it was. Well, I'm giving it a Muldoon. You know, I'm giving it a Muldoon. I love this movie. Robert Downey Jr. also loved this movie. He said this is one of his favorite films that he has done. Yeah, he should be proud of it. He's so good in it. You know what? This came out around the same time as Bright Lights, Big City, which was another Michael J. Fox. It was the same kind of thing. Cocaine ruined his life, loses everything because he becomes a drug addict. Again, that was another one that I watched. Anne read the book and did a book report on it in sixth grade. And no teacher was like, that seems not good. (laughs) Inappropriate. But it was of the time. It was of the time. They were happy you were reading at an adult level. Yeah. Like, Look at little Ann Morris. Yeah. I'm like the part where, yeah. Um, so out of those two, I, I, I'm a more of a less than zero, but I haven't seen Bright Lights Big City in a really long time. Well, and those authors, Brett Easton Ellis and Jay McInerney are ran in the same literary circle of the time. Yeah. It just seemed very glamorous. You know, it's very, I mean, that one was New York, but it's like gl- the glamour and glitz of it all. And See, and I think I thought it was all just too dark and scary. I mean, it is, at the That's end, what I know, it really is dark and scary. And I just wanted, like, I wanted a Lloyd Dobler. Ugh. I wanted, uh, you know, I, I just wanted a cute boy. Yeah. I didn't want lip crust and, and drug addiction. Particularly brought on by hardcore um, freebasing. Yeah. 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 I mean, that scene where the bodyguard tommy from valley girl that is the, just the pipe. And, and robert downey jr you see him he like he, he he's looking at it the way i look at pizza frankly and i cannot walk away and he he just had to be in that bowl yeah. there and it was that that was incredible acting well and also it was especially sad because he just wanted to leave he yeah. just wanted to get out of there yeah. yeah you believe he wants to clean it Let up it Right, let him out, Rip. Oh no, man, Rip, Rip had to had to make that coin. How did Rip lose his soul so quickly? I mean, he's really quite hardened as a teenager. Yeah, but there's the scene in the beginning of the movie when Andrew McCarthy comes back and he 
is, you know, trying to find his friends at this party and runs into James Spader. And, and he's almost like, I think he treats the people buying the drugs from him as like less than human. Like he's kind of like, oh, you don't want to be around these losers. Like they're just, you know, at one point he even says about Robert Downey, he's like, he's dead, let him go. Like, you know, way before he dies, obviously. So I think he just has no empathy for, for anyone. No. But he was also, wasn't at that party. He was also trying to just give Andrew McCarthy drugs, wasn't he? He wasn't trying to sell him. He was like, just no, but something. I think he looked at him as almost like an equal, like, oh, you're making oh, yeah, yeah. of your life and you're doing yeah. something and you're not like these, you know, losers. Yeah. 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 So he's a sociopath, but a good businessman as most are, I guess. I guess. Oh, and um, one other thing that I read that I did not notice, but Brad Pitt has, is an extra in this film. Oh, is he? What? I don't know where he was. Probably one of those party scenes, those giant party scenes. Yes, and apparently he he uh, set a line because, and he was not supposed to because he was trying to get a SAG card and he almost got fired. Oh. Mm. They were like, do that again, Brad Pitt, and you're out of here. Did he, Did the line didn't make it no. into the film though? Mm-mm. He was trying no. though, trying. But Liz is like me. So Liz and I have bonded over the fact that she loves John Cusack and Nick Cage is much like the same as me. Early Nick Cage for me. I take, I celebrate him in all his seasons. Yeah, I don't, (laughs) but (laughs) Valley Girl and Moonstruck, I mean, Uh, I'm all in, 100%. 100%, I mean, come on. Wait, so Liz, for, for Nick Cage, you're not going beyond the 90s? No, I don't think so, no. I feel similarly about John Cusack, like his later stuff. Yeah. Uh, Too it, much. It fell off, fell off. Not as good. Not as good, not no. as good. I think, um, uh, what was the one, the last one that I loved? Um, oh my God, I'm have, drawing a blank. Uh, record owner. High Fidelity. Yeah, that I lo- that was brilliant. But after that, I can't think of much. I would go to the movies and see something and- I was disappointed every time. Yeah, well, he did a bunch of those like romantic comedies that weren't great, kind of. I'm a sucker for a romantic yeah, comedy. Pressy loves that. Oh, I, I like a rom-com, you know. Yeah, he yeah, like Serendipity and like. Serendipity was horrible. <laughs> that was one of the worst movies I've ever seen, honestly. Like, come on, just give each other, give the, give your net phone numbers. You're going to go through this insane ruse. Come on. <laughs> I, I remember being in the theater and being Furious. angry. I was angry. Yeah, I was I was enraged. Really? Yeah. Yes, I was enraged. And the Twizzlers were not enough to soothe me. I can tell you that. I still feel afraid. Oh, no. I think that's where the disappointment in, in John Cusack set in. I think that's where it started. And it took hold. It took a deep-rooted hold. Yeah, it was rough. That's a very strong reaction to that movie. To serendipity? Watch it again, Chrissy. You'll, you'll be in real. What about Gross Point Blank? Oh. I loved Gross Point I, I loved him when he was a murderer. I didn't like it when he just couldn't hand the girl his phone number or vice versa. <laughs> this whole movie was built on sticking your phone number in a book <gasps> that you may or may not ever find again? Yeah. What the hell? <gasps> Life not hard enough already? Oh, well, I read that no. Brett Easton Ellis said he could have never written less than zero now because it would have been about 10 pages long because 
most, I guess most of the book and the movie is people looking for each other. He's like, now that people have cell phones, you would just text them and be like, where are you? Okay, I'm coming to get you. I love the scene, I love the scene in the movie where um, Robert Downey Jr. is outside in the car, right? Just outside in the red yeah. convertible, can't miss. And they're all inside the party and James Spader's like, where is he? Where's Julian? Where is he? Like, might just want to look outside you and your and your goon like it's not that complicated yeah, yeah. you don't have it he's sitting in front of the building right. right and and in no shape to get out and run so you could have easily found him. easily look out the window ducks in a barrel step to the front door yeah 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 all right well i would say to summarize i don't really even this is, <laughs> to, this is a brad pack film but i just don't feel like it really oh i don't yeah I don't, it's Brad Packett adjacent. Adjacent, I'd say. I agree. Adjacent. Yeah. And that's probably why yeah. I just can't really, can't really get into it. It's just too, it, there's, it's, it's, for me, it is way too dark. I mean, I don't regret, I don't regret watching no. it. I thank you guys for giving me the homework assignment. I got something out of it, which again is, you know, keep your drugs, you know, on the lower level side. <laughs> And do not have James Spader be your drug dealer. Dear God, no. Like when, you know, when you have to be a gay prostitute to pay off your, your drug debt, you're in, you're in deep trouble. Get to rehab. Why, what, did he never go to rehab? Did I miss that? Did they I send think him he was to going to go. Him? Didn't the dad say like, I'll send you? The dad actually said that he had gone. That's another thing that all happened in this four months. The dad said he went to rehab, left rehab, nothing good came of it. We didn't see any of that. Right. That's also in the three months that he went to rehab. Yeah, the timelines. I mean, we said the same thing about San Almost Fire last week, yeah. where it's like the timeline for so much of these big life changes to have happened in, you know, six months. They should have at least made it like summer vacation, like at least then a whole year has gone or almost a year. And then you can be like, oh, all right. I could have bought it if it was nine yeah. months, right? But three? that is true. No. And also what's weird is she kept saying to him, like, well, when are you going back to school? And it's like, well, you'd go when the new semester starts. It's not like an open-ended window of time that he had. Well, and he said he's going to take her with him. It's like, where is she going? She's living in the dorm with him? Like, what does that mean? I'm sure he's not in a dorm. I'm sure he has like a beautiful apartment. Well, he did have a beautiful apartment, but yeah. also strange. You're a college freshman. You're yeah. in your own apartment. That seems a little odd. I don't know if I was roach like that. I would have wanted my own apartment. There are requirements to live on campus, I believe, as a freshman. I, I think so, too. I, I'm looking forward to the next one being a little bit more of a feel-good romp. <laughs> What's the next one? Because this ended up being just an Andrew McCarthy November, which I am. I know. Uh, okay. What do we do? Maybe it should be pretty in pink, then, if we're going to keep with Andrew McCarthy. Liz is like, I and that would have been the week I would have pre preferred. <laughs> doing this one where i didn't know the movie where i hadn't watched it five hundred yeah. times this is you know this was a real fresh take for me because uh, pretty in pink is one that i watched not too long ago that i hadn't seen in a while and i was like ducky's more annoying than i remember him being um i'll just here's something i remember about pretty in pink uh, that i would like you two to be aware of uh harry dean stanton's ears oh they're extraordinary they're about the length of his entire head. I'm just, when, once you see them, you can't unsee them. Well, your ears and your nose keep growing. They're unbelievable. 
what I noticed was her clothes are terrible. Like we always thought, I remember, well, I remember thinking she was so cool and her clothes were so cool. It's actually not good. The dress she makes is hideous. The clothing she wears is not good. That was my big revelation. I was like, I remember thinking it was like so cool. And now I'm like, "Mm." yeah. And I will say Liz, you and I had not seen this. And so looking at it now, I don't know if I had seen it in 1987 that I would have had a different opinion of it, but um, I certainly am not looking kindly at it with middle-aged eyes. Yes. And, and Brad Easton Alice, I mean, it just, it seemed very grown. I think, you know, what it was, it seemed very grown up to me. Like it felt very grown up and I felt very grown up watching it. You're like, when I go to college, I'm going to develop a drug addict. It's going to be great. I think it was more like, I'm going to dress cute like Jamie Gertz. And none of that happened. I wore like jeans and a black turtleneck with brown lipstick as we all did in the nineties. Yeah. Meanwhile, not for nothing. I looked up Jamie Gertz. She married a billionaire. She is a billionaire. What? Yeah. Yeah. Her husband is like some kind of venture capitalist, yada, yada. He owns the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah. Cause she like retired from acting. Right. And like, well, that's why I was like, oh, whatever happened to Jamie Gertz? How come she's not in anything? And I was like, oh, because she's now a billionaire. Um, I'm going to confess that the whole time I was watching this movie, I was like, oh, yeah, Jamie Gertz is in that uh, Midnight Mass that I just finished watching she on is? Netflix. Oh. No, she's not. No, she's not. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'll watch it. I was, I was getting her confused with the actress who is in Midnight Mass, whose name I still have yet to look up and remember, but I was thinking it was Jamie Gertz. Yeah, I feel like Jamie Gertz, well, the last I remember seeing her was like Twister, maybe? She played the girlfriend in Twister? I don't, I don't know. Liz, I think you're confusing her with Annabeth Gish. <gasps> yes, that's always I can see up. how that, that's an Thanks. easy uh, mix up. Yeah. Well, and on that note, I think we've said all we can we've say. Talked about, we've talked about a lot. We've talked about a lot of films. We've covered a lot of genres. We have. Everyone, Chrissy's like, eh. I'm, I'm much more into the Brad Pack films. That's all I'm going to say. Just out of curiosity, Chrissy, like what was, what's one of your favorite films? Just so I know. I know, I know the I answer to this. Uh, wait, you mean of any movie? Like not Brad Pack, not. Yeah. yeah. No, favorite not movie sure. of all time. Oh, I don't know if I have a favorite favorite, but I love When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. Yeah. It's a classic. That's a good That's one. Classic. Great. Um, yeah. I love, I know this is going to sound strange. I love The Hangover. Doesn't that shock you? Well, it's funny because I'll just say this. I think I like the films that when I went into the movie theater, I really didn't know what to expect. And then you're so pleasantly, like I also had the same thing with, not that I'd say this is one of my favorite movies, but I really like it is Austin Powers. Like I had no idea what to expect with Austin Powers. And I laughed from beginning to end. So I think it's like part of your, what you're expecting. Like I don't have high expectations and then it becomes like this. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Cause I feel like I'm normally saying to you, you're, this is an amazing movie. You're going to love it. And maybe I need to come in low and you I need, need to, to be in. like, eh, see what you think. And then really downplay it. And then maybe it'll change your perception. Yeah. Yeah. That one's a weird, that's, you're just, you're always, you know, you know, you're a woman in mystery. <laughs> she, does, she does every time i think i've got her figured out she'll throw something like that in the hangover is one of my favorite movies and i'm like what? well liz what would you go with oh i so young frankenstein oh, yeah that's a good right one there Sens- sensibility is also one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I, I love that movie once 
Oh well, yeah, I forgot about your love of once. I've never seen that once. Oh, that's you'd like. Well, that guy, is that the guy that sings the song? And yeah, is there like a? No, I yes. can't do that one. It's so good. I think you'd. I don't know if Anne would like that it. song. Oh, I can't even. I, that ruined it for me. Um and hair, hair oh. is uh, that's an eclectic to me. list of movies. Yeah. See, when you were watching Less Than Zero <laughs> in high school. And thinking it was glamorous, I was watching Hair as a, I was much younger, and I was like, "That's I just this I want I want to make things right in the world." And I, I didn't want to like sleep in Central Park, but I related wow. to all of that. And Treat Williams, like you know, this could be too much information, but I was twelve, I think, when I saw that movie, and I was like, "I understand what sex is, and I want to have it with Treat Williams." <laughs> Okay. Well, I will just tell you a quick little fun Treat Williams story. When I first moved to New York, maybe I think I had been there a week or two and a friend of mine was visiting and we happened to be walking along Central Park and she had to go to the bathroom. We popped into a hotel that was right across the street. And I was waiting in the lobby where she went off to the, go to the bathroom and out walks Treat Williams with his whole family. And I almost shit my pants. It was right across from the whole opening scene from Hair, which is uh, miraculous. And I was losing my mind. And it wasn't just like, he didn't just pass by, like they were talking, they were good. I I just stood there for 15 minutes watching watching him and I'll never get over it. I don't think I've ever heard someone proclaim love for Cree Williams. This is amazing. Burger and, and... in hair is everything to me. We watch Smooth Talk. He plays kind of a creep, a creep in it, but watch it. All right, ladies. Well, I could keep talking to you for a very long time, but people want to eat in my household. So for goodness sake. All right. Well, this has been a delight. Thank you, ladies. For this having has me. been a delight. I mean, I just don't know what to say. There's a, there's a lot for me to digest and to think about and taken to and i've got now uh, all sorts of movie recommendations yes. well listen and liz if you're willing in the new year we'll have to have you back for a nicholas cage anytime this is a, a three-way aber do is what is it is it an aber do that's a word <laughs> i thought that was menage no it's a muldu muldoon make it like it's French. It's like, is it an Elma Dune? I think it's Scotland. It's like, oh, I don't know. That sounds very fancy. I like it. People are constantly giving us new names to call this. I like it. An Aberdu. Poor <laughs> <laughs> Muldoon. I think I, this is my, my, you went from Muldeen. I went to Aberdeen in oh, my yeah. head. Yeah. I went, I went to Scotland. That's what happened. That's, it's not, I'm not, I'm not proud. I'm not proud. It's, it's actually, it's, it's disturbing. It's alarming. Uh, I love it. I'll